week, um, just a powerful word from the Lord. And how many know that God's word is alive? And it's forever alive. And it, it speaks to us if we allow it to speak to us. And, you know, I talked about the birds a little bit last, last week. Beware of the birds that sometimes before we, when we start to hear the word of God, Scripture, there, Jesus told that parable of the sower. And, and some of the seed fell on, on, on good soil, but the birds came and got it before it could set. And, and, and it's really dangerous sometimes Sometimes the devil's waiting at the parking lot. You get your touch here in the Lord. You get to the parking lot, and you uh, you get in the car, and you are, your kids are already arguing, right? Your spouse is mad. Come on, somebody, right? And the birds like to come in and steal, steal your joy. But I, I want to just speak over you today and, and just talk to you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to, um, and they're going to be mad at me in the back because I'm going to call they don't realize, but I've added a verse, and I did not tell them, well, hey, welcome to my world. Now you know what my wife deals with all the time, all right? Uh, but I want you to do this. I, if you got your Bible, um, and if you have a, 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 an old school Bible, you'll be able to do this. If you don't, if you have an electronic Bible, uh, you're going to not be able to do this. You're going to have to go really fast. And if you're dependent on this, guess what? They're going to be missing one of the scriptures. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And when you got that one, I want you to go to John chapter 4. If you're a note taker, you could write these down. And then if you, uh, if you can from there, John chapter 12, you said, man, you got a lot of leading scripture today. Well, I, I, was, I was just really praying and contemplating on what scriptures to use. And I just got confirmation in my heart uh, right before service to add, add this very first verse that I want to read to you. And if you have it, um, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is a powerful bit of scripture. Uh, all of it's powerful, really, but... Uh, I like this, and I'm going to be reading it here out of the New Living Translation, and it says this, uh, and, and some of you know this verse by heart, some of you don't know this verse by heart, but Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says this, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Lord's telling you, hey, he's done a lot for you, you ought to, you ought to give your life to him, that's what that means. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Everyone say living and holy. Sacrifice. Look at that. Look how good. Look how good our team is. Uh, the kind he will find acceptable. Acceptable, all right? The kind that the Lord will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Let me read that again, just verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a what? Holy and what? To God, which is what? Your spiritual worship to him. Now, go to John chapter 4, uh, uh, verse 24, if you will. And, um, and I'm not, I'm not going to camp on these verses, but I, I want to bring something out here. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. Just trust your pastor, all right? John chapter 4, verse 24, it says this, that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship what? In all right, spirit and truth. So we're talking about worship, worship, worship today. Everyone look at your neighbor and, and say, we're talking about worship all right, and, and worship is a, an important 
part of our lives. If you think that worship is this 20-minute, 20 25-minute uh, section here at church only, you are missing the point of worship because worship is much more. Now, that's what we call corporate worship because, you know, the greatest thing about worship service in, in, in a church service, it's the one time where everybody is singing the same thing at the same, some of you are trying to sing the same thing at the same time, right? We're all in one mind and we're all in one accord. And even some of us wonder during that time. But right now, even as I speak, some of you are listening to me and some of you are thinking about what you're going to be eating for lunch right now. And what's crazy is the worship, uh, it, it's, uh, the corporate worship in our services is set aside so that we'll come together and we'll worship him together. And I don't know about you, but when I worship the Lord, I want to be, uh, 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 I want to live a life that is sacrificial and that is holy and that is acceptable to the Lord. Worship goes beyond Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. Worship goes when you get to the parking lot and you leave. Guess what? You are supposed to live a life that is worthy, right, of sacrifice, that is holy, and that is acceptable to the Lord. Come on. Say, I want to say, Pastor, you're, you're, you, come on. Come on, say, come on, Pastor. All right, I promise I, I won't keep you long today. So I want to talk to you today about living a lifestyle of worship. Living a lifestyle of worship. And a lot of us think that worship is just that moment here in this building, but worship goes much further than that. Matter of fact, the way that we live our life is worship unto the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 12. I, uh, I want to read this, this little bit of a story here. I'll read this little bit of scripture. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Uh, I love this. This is a beautiful, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the, is the uh, previous chapter, chapter 11. And, and But I, I love this. And if we're not careful, how many knows that sometimes if you read the Bible fast, you'll miss some important things. And I've learned in my walk with the Lord that if I slow down, I will catch things that the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to me, that the Lord's trying to tell me, and that I'll get an understanding. How many know that the Bible is practical? Is very practical. It gives us instructions. It gives us direction. There's things that we can learn. So John chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Verse 2. So they gave a dinner for him there. Look at this. I want you to look at this. Martha served. Everyone say Martha served. And Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Everyone say Lazarus was at the table. And look at this, verse 3. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment and made from uh, pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Everyone say, Mary worshipped at Jesus' feet. So I, I want to talk to you about living a lifestyle of worship. Let's bow our heads today. Heavenly Father, God, I feel your presence in this house today. 
God, I pray, Lord, that this word today, Lord, would would prick our hearts, Lord, that it would uh, uh, make a hard heart soften today. God, as we begin to learn about what it means to worship you, God, in spirit and in truth, Lord, to live a life that is holy and, and is a sacrifice to you that is acceptable to you today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds, God. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me, God, that you would use me as an oracle today uh, of your word. God, I pray, Lord, that you would cover me with your grace. God, have your will and way. And, God, we will give you all the praise and the glory for everything that's accomplished. And everyone said amen. All right. So let's set the scene here. I, and this may be a little bit different than what I normally do, but, uh, but I want to set the scene here. In John, the previous chapter, John chapter 11, Jesus does this amazing miracle. How many have ever heard the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead? How many know that's an amazing miracle? Amen. That, that, is a, that is a beautiful miracle. It is it's a great thing. And after four days of, of being dead in the tomb, uh, Lazarus is raised from the dead. He has these grave clothes on. And his, his sisters, you know, when Jesus came to them, uh, when he came from Jerusalem to Bethany, they met him out on the road. And they're like, you know, and Jesus said, he, he, he's going to live again. And they're like, Lord, he's been dead for four days. By now he stinketh, right? What does that mean? The guy was gone. He was cold. He was pushing up daisies, okay? All right, his toes were facing up, all right? And, and so he is, he is, he is gone. But, but Jesus, how many knows that your situation may seem like an impossible, but nothing is impossible with God? Amen? All right, come on, let's let some faith arise in this house. Uh, so, so he was dead. So here we see after Jesus has raised him from the dead, uh, in chapter 12, Jesus is back there, and they are throwing a celebration or a party to celebrate the resurrection of Lazarus. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Lazarus got two birthdays. Right? How many of you kids would like two birthdays in a year? Because he had his normal birth, and then he had his resurrection. You know, I'm new. I'm, I'm born. So, but they're celebrating the resurrection of, of Lazarus. I want you to look at this. In attendance, we know this, that there was Martha. Everyone say Martha. There was Mary. Everyone say Mary. And Lazarus and Jesus and the 12 disciples were there and, and Simon the Pharisee. If we take the stories from all the Gospels and we put it together, we can conclude that as well as those, the people from Bethany. How many know that when something big happens, everyone wants to know, right? I can tell you that living here in Bedford, that if there's some kind of construction going, everyone goes and looks and goes, hey, what are they putting in? What restaurant is coming in here? Come on, somebody. You guys are a bunch of nosy people. You got to know what's going on, right? You hear something. You hear a good report. I'm going to go check it out, right? And that's what we, what we do, and that's what the people of Bethany were doing. And they'd come to see the living Lazarus and Jesus. This is amazing. The question is here uh, is, are you living a life that is honoring Jesus and inviting him into your home? See, Mary and, and Martha and Lazarus, they opened their home to Jesus. And they said, hey, Lord, we want you to come. We have prepared a meal for you. We want you to come, and we want to celebrate you, and we want to thank you for what you've done. Let me ask you, is your life honoring Jesus Christ? Is your heart open? Is your life open saying, hey, Lord, come and sup with me? Amen. Oh, I love this. And so uh, is he at home in your heart? Let me ask you that. Is he at home in your home? Come on, somebody. Is Jesus at home in your church? 
Come on, somebody. Come on. Thank you for that amen over there. That was, that was timely. Is he at home in your church? I, I want to take these three people and this, this, these three characters, the story of Martha and the story of Lazarus and the story of Mary, and talk about how each one honored Jesus that day and how that we can honor Jesus by following their examples, by living a life of worship. All right? All right? You guys with me? All right. All right, let's do this. Number one right here, let's talk about Martha. Martha. All right, Zaley, come help me. How many know that Martha was working? Everyone say, Martha was working. Zaley, I, I want you to do something. I, there's two chairs right there. I want you to grab one of those chairs right here, and, and I want you to grab that. I want you to grab this right here, this green thing right here. I want you to bring that out here. Uh, uh, Martha was working, right? But you see, we got the kids in here today. So we're going to do an object lesson. Some of your adults are saying, finally, an object lesson. I, I can follow with this, right? Zaley, come over here. You're doing a good job working. Come over here. And this is what I want you to, I want you to set that chair down. All right, come on. Uh, wait, yeah, get that. Come on, you got it right here. I want you to put this apron on. Come on. You, come on, Martha. Everyone say, come on, Martha. I'll hold this for you. Look at this. I want you to put that apron on. Look at that. Come on, wrap it around you. Good, good. Martha is, 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 is working, right? This is what I want you to do, Martha. I want you to sweep right there. I want you to just, just sweep and, and, and continue to work. So Martha is, is working. The scripture says that Martha served. Martha served, okay, while she's cleaning up there. She's, she's sweeping the carpet, something I would do, right? Something's not right, but she's sweeping it with the broom. Uh, but, but, but she is working, Martha is working for Jesus, or she is serving. And serving means to work for or to, t- to attend to, to wait on like a waiter, right? That's what serving is, right? How many have ever served tables in here? How many know that that is a hard job? How many know that there are some mean people? All right? So listen, all you Christians that go to church, man, you ought to tip your waiters and waitresses well because you ought to be the light of Jesus. But listen, so, so they, they serve, they're serving. Matthew 20, 28 says this, that Jesus didn't come to be served but to what? Serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why Jesus came. Jesus is the prime example of somebody who got his hands dirty and went to work for you and me. Amen? Serve there means to attend to, to be waited upon. And Jesus is the ultimate example. So serving requires a couple of things, all right? When you're serving someone else, it requires humility. Right? When you're serving someone else, it requires humility. Oh, come on, all you waiters and waitresses ought to say amen, right? Because it, it, this, is what, this is what it requires of you. It, 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 it does what is required and not always what is convenient. Service to the Lord is not always convenient, right? But sometimes the things the Lord asks you and he requires of you, man, it isn't always easy and convenient. Zaley, is that convenient and fun sweeping the carpet right there? You look good in your apron right there, all right? You're looking good over there, Martha. So, so Martha, who just a few months earlier, we know this story, Jesus and his disciples came by their house. That was a stop-off point. They stopped there often. A few months earlier, they came by, and Martha gets frustrated with Mary, her sister. How many know that sisters and siblings can get, uh, man, can get at each other sometimes? How many of you the oldest sibling in your house? How many of the oldest siblings think that you guys carried the weight load of your house? 
All right, how many are the middle kid? How many feel forgotten? How many are the youngest? Come on, somebody. Mama's little baby. That's <laughs> what my brother says. Mama's little baby, right? But but listen, so siblings, so just a few chapters earlier in this, Martha is, and Jesus is coming through, the disciples are there, and Martha is in the kitchen working, and Mary's sitting there listening to Jesus teach, and Martha gets furious, right? You guys know the story. This is, this is in Luke chapter 10, verse 41, she says, but, the, uh, you know, and she's like, Lord, tell her to get up off her, her tail end and come in here and help me in the kitchen. Now, listen to me. How many of you enjoy a good Sunday lunch? How many go to grandma's house for Sunday lunch? All right. How many know that's a wonderful thing? Do you realize that somebody is doing things to serve you? How many of you walk in, grab a plate, fill it up, and eat it, and then leave? But somebody has done the work for you to be there. In Luke chapter 10, verse 41, it says this, But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. How many of you get, get hung up on details sometimes? Lord, I've got this to do. God, I've got this to do. God, we got to do this. Lord, we got to do this. Lord, we have all these things, and, and we're just working ourselves, and we're working ourselves up into a frenzy, right? Verse 42 says, there is, and he says this, There's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary, your sister, has discovered it. Man, that is a blow to any sibling. What do you tell me my, my sibling discovered it? What do you mean by that? Uh, and it will not be taken for herself. Here's what we have to understand. Mary was busy but was not blessed in this instance in Luke. So fast forward here to this story right here. Martha is still in the kitchen and still working. Interesting, isn't it? Is it wrong? Did she not learn her lesson? You know, it's interesting. Some of you in here are, are workers and servants by nature. Some of you think like Martha. There's something to be done in ministry. So, hey, let's go get it done. Stop talking about it. Let's get our hands dirty. Amen. And the Lord needs Marthas or the Lord needs servants. The Lord needs people. Who, uh, and the key that the difference here in this story with Martha and Martha in Luke chapter 10 is this. Martha is not complaining in this story in John chapter 12 like she was in Luke chapter 10. She is concerned with what she needs to do in that moment. And can I tell you something? If you're serving the Lord and you're working for the Lord and there is nothing but complaints coming out of your mouth, come on, somebody, listen to me. You cannot serve with the right heart if you are complaining. Oh, come on, Pastor. Man, you're coming down and sitting right where I'm at today, Pastor. Come on, somebody. Philippians 2, chapter 14 to 15 says this, do everything without complaining and arguing. Woo! I need to, I need to put that up at my house. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean. Live innocent. Uh, 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 innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Do everything without complaining and arguing. God, I will serve. You know, sometimes in this thing as a pastor, hey, come on, keep going. Stop complaining. All right. Uh, as a pastor, sometimes there are times where, man, you know, I, I'm a pretty long-suffering person, but there are times where I get to hear. Come on, somebody. Is, am I the only person? I'm just be a little bit real. I'll just tell you. 
but this is interesting. In Philippians 2, 14 and 15, I, I read that. It says, do everything without complaining and arguing. And this is what the subheading in my Bible says in that moment. Imitating Christ's humility. I'm going to serve without complaining about it. I'm going to serve without griping about it. I'm going to serve because guess what? Uh, Because it's about him and it's not about anything else. In Luke chapter 10, Martha was complaining about Mary's lack of work. See, and we know that if you, you aren't serving when you are complaining. Some of you parents know what I'm talking about. When you ask your kid to do something, take out the trash, feed the dog, and all they want to do is complain about it the whole time. You're just like, oh, there needs to be an attitude adjustment somewhere along the way, right? But, but here, here in this chapter, John chapter 12, she's not complaining, but she's focused strictly on serving Jesus and the other's needs around her. Look at this, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for Men, let me let me repeat that. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for who? It's for the Lord, not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are, look at this last part, you are serving the Lord uh, Jesus Christ or the Lord Christ. Amen. So stop your complaining. How many know that the church needs servants? You know what? This church is clean because somebody cleans the church. These chairs are straight because somebody comes in here and straightens these church. And I've seen it done. It is quite a job. You know what? Things are put in order in this place because somebody takes the time to come down here and do things. You know why the lights work in here? Because somebody took the time to come in here and check the lights. It's about serving God and serving others. Amen. Amen. So Martha, she's serving joyfully and she's helping people practically. You know, I, I began to think about this. I was thinking of a good example. Hey, you're doing great. You want to sit down for a minute? You're fine. All right. Man, look at that. Joyful heart. She's fine. She's, I'm doing fine over here. Uh, I was thinking about this. My, my former pastor in Texas, he came, with the, he came here last October. And I'll, I'll never forget, he's an amazing man of God. He's an amazing preacher. He can preach the house down everywhere he goes. I, I, he's just anointed by God. But what I love about him is not his ability to, to preach or to do that, but I watched him as a pastor. I watched the things that he did as a pastor. And that amazed me and blew me away way more than his ability to preach or orate anything from Scripture because this is what I watched him do. At funeral dinners, after speaking and, and preaching someone's funeral or whatever, they would have a dinner at the church, and he would show up. And you know what he would do? He would take his suit coat jacket off, and he would walk around that room with a, a pitcher of tea and a pitcher of lemonade or a pitcher of water and say, hey, can I, can I fill that up for you? Can I take that plate for you? Can I serve you? Can I love on you? Can I, can I just show you the love of Christ? By He didn't complain about it. You know what? You know what? He didn't have to do it. But listen, when you have the right attitude, you begin to serve the Lord in the right attitude, you can change lives. Amen? So Martha is working. Everyone say, Martha is working. All right. Thank you, Zaylee. Take your apron off. Put your broom right there on that chair for me. Come on, give Zaylee a hand clap. We serve and we can worship the Lord by serving him, by the way that we live, by doing practical things, simple things. I, I want to tell you, it's easier than what we, what we make it. It's not just always about coming down here and just lifting our hands. It's, but it's just serving the Lord with a joyful heart. You are worshiping the Lord when you are just loving on him and serving him. And you're very capacity of your life. Here's number two right here. 
uh, uh, is this. Lazarus was witnessing. Everyone say, Lazarus was witnessing. So Lazarus was witnessing. Look at this. I lost my Martha, so now i got to be Martha. So interesting story here. Lazarus, who once was dead, formerly known as dead Lazarus, is now alive Lazarus, right? He's alive and well. And he is, he is at this, this dinner party, and he is there. The scripture says, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. It's interesting. I have a chair here. Probably didn't have chairs in, in that time. Uh, you were probably just leaning back at, at a table. But guess what? We'll, we'll use a chair because we're American and we sit up. We don't recline back. Is that okay? Just bear with me. But even though Lazarus never speaks a word, listen, in this scripture, it never says any, Lazarus never says a word. John doesn't say, Lazarus said, blah, 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 blah. God he doesn't, doesn't nothing. Even though Lazarus never says a word, he is witnessing just sitting there by Jesus. He's speaking louder with his life than he is with his words. Come on, somebody. He's just, he's, he is. Jesus uh, would, would be doing the teaching that day. He would be doing the talking and the speaking. But Lazarus was just the, the proof in the pudding. Come on, somebody. Because how many know that witnessing is, is more than just what we say? How many know that people are watching you? You know, people are watching you at your work. If they know that you're a believer, they are watching you. They are watching how you respond to things. They are, they are keeping a close eye on you. So it's interesting. So uh, uh, witnessing uh, is more, more importantly, is what you are than just what you say. Right? There are plenty of people who, who have a lot to say. Amen? There's a lot of people who just want to be talking heads. Blah, 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 blah. I want to tell you all these good things. But sometimes people's mouths don't line up, their lives don't line up with what they're saying, right? Come on, somebody. Their integrity doesn't line up with this. But uh, so, so witnessing is more importantly what you are, not just what you say. I, I love this. I used to say this a lot when I was a youth pastor. Listen to me. If they had to prove that you were a Christian in a court of law, would your lifestyle and witness shine so bright that they could convict you? Something to think about. Is there enough proof to prove that you are a Christian in a court of law? Would they have enough proof or would you just be like, oh, I don't really say anything. I don't really do much, uh, you know. So, so Acts uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. Everyone say Witnesses. The question then is, is your life, your testimony, a witness of God? Come on. I, I've asked Josh to come up here. Come on here, help me, Josh. Josh Dill. Hey, everyone give Josh a hand. He... Sit down right here. So this is Lazarus. You got a hard job. All you got to do is sit here, okay? Isn't it odd, everyone looking at you right now? Not really? Okay, I like it. I like it. So Josh... Is playing the role of Lazarus today. Listen, I, I, I want to tell you some, com some things in common that we have with Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. So were we. We were dead in our sins. Lazarus reeked of the grave clothes. So did we. When Jesus brought us out, there were some things we had to get off of us. Lazarus was bound with grave clothes. So were we. Lazarus was raised from the dead. Listen, if you've come to know Christ, you have been raised again in Christ. Amen. Lazarus was a witness to God's grace and mercy. Can I tell you something? So are you. Amen. Lazarus. Notice when, when God does the impossible in your life, the unthinkable 
you can't help but be close to Jesus as you can. So Lazarus right here, he's, he is reclining as close to Jesus. As, you don't have to recline. I don't want you to fall. Uh, as close to Jesus as he possibly can. This guy brought me back to life. I've got to get as close to him as possible. Amen? Amen? It says that he, he ate and he reclined next to the Lord. He, he rested in Jesus. And God has saved your soul. Let me tell you something. You don't have to toil, but you can rest in Jesus. Amen? So some of you came from situations that were, were that where you were dead in nature. I mean, some of you came from broken homes. Some of you may have been addicted to drugs. Some of you may have been addicted to pornography. Can I tell you this? Jesus called you out by name. He says, "Come alive. Come on. Get out of there." Get out of that thing that's 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 got you got you. So the struggle of toiling with sin is 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 when Jesus calls you out, it is gone because he has overcome death, hell, and the grave and sin forever. Amen. I love this. In John chapter 15, verse 16, it says, you didn't choose me. This is Jesus speaking. I chose you. You didn't choose the Lord. The Lord chose you. He called you by name and said, come out. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And so the way that we produce fruit is, is testifying to the goodness of God's mercy. Now, Lazarus, all he had to do is just sit there alive and look around at everybody because everyone was like, he was once dead. He didn't have to say a word. I am testifying to the goodness of God's mercy and grace in my life. Amen. How many know that Jesus restores? How many know that Jesus calls dead uh, uh, men and women back to life? How many know that God has, has canceled the debt of sin in our lives? And, and we say, Lord, you know, I, we say this, Lord, send us Lazaruses. I, I love this statement right here. I, I want to read this. Samuel Chadwick is a class, classic Methodist evangelist of the 1900s said this. And listen to me. This is, this is a statement for the church. This is for our church. If, if God is at work week by week in raising men from the dead, there will always be people coming to see how it's done. All right? All right? But you cannot find an empty church that has conversion as its leading feature. Look at this. Do you want to know how to fill churches and chapels? Here's the answer. Get your Lazarus. Get your Lazarus. I, you know, our examples in our life. You know, I was, I was going through, and I may have told this story here before, but I've only got so many stories, so you might hear some of them on repeat. It's okay. But I was going through the store one time a few years ago in Lowe's, and I was living in California at the time. And I, while I was going through Lowe's, how many know that when you're a pastor, associate pastor, a youth pastor, a children's pastor, when you go into a hardware store, and, and, and normally people are like, well, how can I help you with your home improvement? Oh, you don't even understand. I work for a church, and I'm about to do something that is crazy. And you don't even understand the scope of what I'm trying to build sometimes. And I remember I went in and I was like, we've got this thing that we wanted to do at the church. And I'm talking to this guy and we're running around. And he's like, what do you need? And I said, I, I need this. And he's like, oh, that's over here. And I need this and that's over here and this. And then without even telling him that I am a believer, without even telling him that I'm doing this all for the church, he, he gets me. He goes, is that all you need? I said, I, I believe that is. He goes, let me walk you up here to, to the checkout. And so we're going up to the checkout. And he looks at me. He has a manager thing on. And he says, he goes, I have a question for you. And I was like. What's that? He goes, are you a believer? 
And I said, yeah. And he goes, me too. You know how he knew that? The joy of the Lord on my heart, the testimony of who I was, just living it out, just walking. I didn't have to say, where did I have to say, hey, I'm associate pastor at this church or I'm the pastor of this church. I didn't have to do that because guess what? My life showed what Jesus had done in my life. How many know that, that Jesus restores things? Listen, you know, you know, here's the thing. A lot of you don't know Josh. Some of you do know Josh. Listen, I we, we had men's meeting the other night, and from uh, 7 uh, and then everyone left, I don't know, probably about 8.30 or so or 9. But from 8.30 to about 11.30, a, a handful of us sit there, and Josh told us his story. And he began to declare the goodness of God, how God was turning a hopeless and an impossible situation in his life around, and how, how God had turned him around. You don't know that, but listen to me. Those that know him close know that God is doing a great work. Listen, I don't want to call people out in here, but there are people that I talk to on a regular basis in here that God is bringing back to life. God is ripping grave clothes off. God is changing. How many believe that God is still changing lives? Amen? Let your life speak louder than your words. Come on, somebody. Amen. I love that Lazarus didn't say, that John doesn't record him saying anything, but I love the fact that he doesn't because that tells me that my life has to be louder than my mouth. Come on, somebody. Amen. Number three. Thank you, Josh. Come on, give Josh a hand. Number three. It's amazing. So number three, Mary is worshiping. Mary is worshiping. Everyone's scared now, right? Who's next? I'm looking around here. Mary is 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 worshiping. So you know what's what's interesting about this is is this. The scripture says this. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard. Everyone say the essence of nard. The essence of nard. And anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. So, so Mary is the symbol of beauty, uh, uh, is the symbol of beauty of worship. Amen? So how do we worship? You know, we do that. Scripture tells us to clap our hands, all you people. We lift our hands in the sanctuary. Lift up your hands, all you people. We bow down. We dance. We do all kinds of things. We, we lift our voice in song. We shout with the voice of triumph. Come on, somebody. We worship when we give. Come on, somebody. John 4, 24, for God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship comes from the Greek word proskuneo, which, which basically means this. It means to bow before the Lord, and it means to bow or to, to kiss or to serve, to worship. It's, it's an intimate moment. It's a close moment with the Lord. Do you know that Jesus Christ wants a close relationship with you? He doesn't want to be your acquaintance. He wants to be your best buddy. Come on, somebody. He wants a close relationship with you. So simple enough, you know, we, to do these physical things, but it also means this. You know, we talk about worship. We do these physical things. We lift our hands. We shout. We do all those. But it also means this, to do it with your heart. And sometimes we do it with our body, but we don't do it with our heart. 
Amen? Amen? So, so we are physically in it, but our heart is not bowing. So Mary is the pure example of worship. She, she takes something costly to her and uses it on the Lord, on Jesus' feet, using her hair to wipe and clean his feet. You know, this week, I've got this right here. I've got this. This is actually spike nard. This is the essence of nard right here. I don't know where this came from, but this was in my office. This is amazing. A perfect example. If you want to smell this, I'll leave it up here. You can smell it and see what it is. But this, this, this spike nard, this is what this was, was made in India, so it was not readily available to everybody, so it was very, very, very expensive to get during the Roman uh, Empire. It, they began to trade it and move around. This was what they used uh, for burials. This is what they would, it was very, very costly to have. They say 16 ounces or a, a liter or close to a liter of this was about the equivalent to a year's wage. How many know that's some expensive perfume? This week, Wyatt took a test in Bloomington, and I had to wait three hours, so I had time to kill. So what did I do? I went. I went to the mall, and guess what? I knew I was out of some cologne that I, that I needed. Come on, because some of you know you need cologne, right? And I went to the mall, and I found some cologne. I, one little side note, I forgot to tell my wife that I bought this cologne. Come on, somebody, right? Easier to ask for forgiveness than, than permission sometimes. And when I got home, I didn't say anything, right? Come on, somebody. I'm just being transparent and honest right now. Didn't say anything. And then that night, I got home. She said, hey, I noticed that you bought something today. I'm like, yeah. She said, I, I noticed you bought some cologne. But listen, babe, it's not quite as expensive as this stuff was, so it's not so bad, right? Right? But, but look at this. So she, she's, worship is costly. Aaron, come help me out here. Carrie, come help me out. You know I was going to use you guys. This is amazing. You want to sit here or here? Either way, it doesn't matter to me. Stay out of Lazarus' seat, okay? All right. But this is, this is Jesus. We're, we, this is all we got to, to play Jesus. I'm sorry. We tried to do better. We tried to do better. But this is, this is, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. So he's going to play the role of Jesus today. And this is Mary, Lazarus' sister. She's in this moment while Martha's doing her thing and serving and cooking and and keeping things rolling, and while Lazarus is sitting here next to Jesus, she does something that is amazing. She goes to Jesus' feet, and she lays at his feet, and, and, and she begins to, I don't want you to pour this out all over our beautiful carpet up here, all right, but, uh, but, this, but she begins to take this thing, this oil, and she begins to, you don't have to put, you don't have to put it on his feet, you don't have to take, no, please don't, all right. We don't have to act this completely out. Just use your imagination, okay, folks? Man, she's committed. A on the commitment. Woo! This was a costly thing. This was a year's worth of wages. But listen, it's funny that we, we, we laugh and we, 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 we joke about that. But listen, do you realize how costly that was for Mary? Do you realize that it cost her her pride and her ego? Do you realize that, that when you worship the Lord, it may cost you your traditions and what you think that God. How many know that God will bring you to a place of brokenness and break you and get you to this low point because God is looking for humility. And God will break your intentions. Come on, somebody, right? God will break your best because he's got something better. So it, this is interesting. The Hebrew culture, to sit at someone's feet means to learn from that person. That's what Mary wanted. She's like, I just want to sit at Jesus' feet. I want to learn. Twice we see her in this position. 
He's teaching to her at one point, and here she's, she's there. And the idiom, this idiom describes submitting to another's teaching or someone else's authority or someone else's way of life. Mary showed her love of Jesus by where she was positioned next to him. Let me ask you this. Is the Lord in the right place in your life? Are you positioned where you need to be? Are you at his feet? Mary, Mary was, was very, very generous. She gave her best, the best of herself. You know, it's, it's amazing to me. She used the very best thing that she had, her hair, to wipe his feet. She used the very, think about that, the top of her head, the, very, the crown of her. Uh, you know, most women, man, they really love and they care about their hair. And to wipe someone's feet with their hair is a pretty nasty endeavor. She took the very best thing she had. She wiped and she began to clean Jesus' feet. The dirtiest part of Jesus was probably his feet. Come on. Thank you for not taking off your shoes. I really appreciate that. In Hebrew, that, that, to, sit, to sit there at someone's feet is, is amazing. So Mary's brother had died, but instead of using this costly perfume on her brother, think about this. She did, she, this is burial perfume. She should have, could have used it on Lazarus, but instead of using it on Lazarus, she takes it for this moment. She begins to pour it out on Jesus' feet. She begins to worship him, and she begins to love on him. She begins to lavish him. Some of us, you know, here's the thing. Most of us look at this, and we go, man, that is just so weird. You know why? Because we have pride. Don't tell me to submit down at Jesus' feet. Don't tell me to do that. Don't, don't, don't make me do that. But listen, pride keeps you in that place where I, I'm too good to do that, Lord. And God's saying, hey, if you'll come humbly, I will bless you. She was at his feet. You okay? You all right? You're comfortable? All right. Uh, she was at his feet, and she gave the costliest thing, and she poured it out on him, you know. And this is interesting because she, this, this little bit of perfume was probably her dowry, and the dowry is something that she would give for her future husband as a, as a gift, as a, as a price. And so she is giving up her future husband for Jesus. Come on, somebody. That will preach right there. She's giving up her future, saying, God, more important than all of this is she of Jesus because of what you've done for me? See, and how many know that sometimes when we worship, this is, this is somewhat, sometimes we're just critical, right? Come on, somebody. Sometimes we're just critical. Not only uh, does this perfume cost her, but then Judas is over there and he's criticizing her, right? Listen, Mary, that's worth a lot of money. Why didn't you take that? Why don't we sell that? Why don't we give that to the poor, right? He's criticizing her. And there will always be a critic when you're worshiping in spirit and truth. Because here's what they don't know, the cost, the cost of that oil. And they don't know the cost of your worship. They don't understand why you want to be at the feet of Jesus because God has done so much for me and you. In the Old Testament, David, when they retrieved the Ark of the Covenant, you guys know this story. And they got the Ark of the Covenant. And David, man, when they're bringing it in Jerusalem, what did he do? He danced. He danced. They moved forward a few feet. They danced. They danced. They moved forward a few feet. He danced. And David in Jerusalem, he danced so much that his kingly robe fell off. And he is down into his bare necessities of his, of his last robe. And his wife, who is, is, is Saul's daughter, uh, uh, Michael, she gets there and she says, David, you're acting so undignified. And what is David's response? Woman, I'll be more undignified than this because the presence of God is more important than anything. I don't care who's looking at me. I don't care who's worried. Right now, the presence of God is the most important thing for me. And it's interesting. She mocked him. And 2 Samuel 6.23 says that she could not have a child because of her prideful and judgmental moment. Listen to me. When we're critical of people in worship, you ought to be careful because you may be aborting something that God wants to do in you. 
Sometimes we sit up there on our high place and say, well, look at them. They're just always worshiping like this. And, man, they shouldn't be that way. Listen, you don't know the cost. You don't know what Mary has been through. You may not understand what God brought them out of. Listen to me. If you're a worshiper, don't worry about what others think about you. But get at his feet and seek him out. Amen? So um, Mary teaches us uh, it's more important to be occupied with Christ than occupied for him. Let me say that again. Mary teaches us that it's more important to be occupied for Christ than to be occupied uh, for him. So we learn to worship Jesus when we follow Mary's example, spending time at his feet. You know, James 4, 8 says what? Draw nigh to God and he'll what? Hmm. God, I will seek you. God, I will find you. I find it interesting. This is, this is really interesting to me. Twelve disciples followed Jesus for how many years? I mean, he's about up to the point that he's about to make his triumphant entry back into Jerusalem. And there at the end of his ministry, for three plus three and a half years, they're following here. And none of them even remotely come close to this woman who Jesus raised her brother from the dead. And she gives all in that moment. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. I, I love that heart. And, and the other Gospels, I believe Luke and Matthew, I think they, they say that she pours the oil not only on his feet but on his head. And, and, and I know there's maybe some variances in details here, but all that matters is this. God, I want to pour my oil out on you. God, I want to pour my love out on you. God, I want to pour my worship on you. I don't care who's worried about me. I don't, I don't care who's looking at me. It doesn't matter if I cry. I'm a grown man and I'll cry. It's okay. God, I love you. God, thank you, Lord, for setting me free from drugs. God, thank you, Lord, for setting me free from from different things. God, thank you, Lord, for saving me as a sinner. God, I just want to worship you at your feet. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you right there. Listen, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Will you give your all to him like Mary? This is, this is, I think this is a beautiful picture of a lifestyle of worship. Some of us may be in a, listen, and I've been in all three of these places in my life. Sometimes I serve like this with my broom. Sometimes I'm serving the Lord. When I was in Guatemala and I was on a rickety old ladder 30 feet up in the air that had one pin missing in it. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And I was up there and I was serving the Lord. And I wasn't just, oh, thank you, Lord, for this day. No, you know what I was saying? Lord, I don't know if I signed up to be 30 feet in the air painting a church building in Guatemala with a broken ladder. Lord, I... I'm called to preach. I'm supposed to be out preaching. I ain't going to get nobody saved up here painting this church. Come on. This is interesting to me. You know, it's interesting. We, we did all that work on that building down there. And I just, I, I believe it was Addie told me the other day, they had a, a women's uh, event there that had over 600 women came. So how many know that sometimes we need Martha's to pick up the broom to do the work? Say, hey, we, we got to make this thing right. We, we, there's, there's work to be done. We, we have to get busy. Here's the second thing right here is this. We see this other component in life. Sometimes we're serving. Sometimes our life, our greatest uh, in worshiping the Lord is just my, my testimony as Lazarus. I, I don't have a lot to say, but I'm going to show you what God did for me. Hey, weren't you that drug addict? Weren't you strung out on your mind? Yeah, but look what God did for me. He brought me back. <laughs> I'm grateful for that. Amen. What about this? Maybe you're like you're like Martha or Mary at the feet of Jesus. 
This is the best place. This is a great place to be, to worship Jesus. Because here's what happens. When you get at the feet of Jesus, your ego don't matter. Your pride doesn't matter. All that matters is Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This is going to cost me. I may lose some friends over this. I may lose some people over this. I may, uh, but I've got to tell you, Lord, I love you. Not everyone understands that. They may be critical of that. Look at this. The lifestyle of worship will lead to a house that honors Jesus. Let me show you something. Can I show you this? This is interesting. Uh, this is beautiful. Matthew chapter 18 and 20. We quote this scripture a lot. And I know this is the, there's a lot leading up to this scripture. You know, if you bind it on earth and bind it in heaven, Jesus gives this proclamation. But, but Matthew 18, 20 says this, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am, what? I don't know, I'm not good at math. One, two, three, and where's Jesus? Wherever you're at in your life, listen, you may be in this season where you're working your fingers to the bone for the Lord. I've been there. <laughs> I got to do this. As a pastor, sometimes I feel like I got to do this, 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 this. But then I have to remember sometimes I'm here and I'm like, man, if you could see what God brought me out of, if you knew how much he saved me from, if you knew the grace that he gave me, man, I want my life to reflect what he's done to me. And then sometimes I'm just sitting here going, God, you're worthy. I don't deserve anything, but I lavish my praise on you. God, I, I drop my pride in this moment. But this is what I know. Whatever season you're in or wherever place you are, maybe you're all three. Listen, you could be all three at times. Can I tell you this? In this house, Jesus will be here. Where two or three are gathered in, uh, uh, in my name, there I am among them. How many want him to be among us? Amen. Because of everyone there, Jesus had a place of honor. Jesus had a place of honor in their house. And Jesus said, I feel welcome. I'm going to come in there and dwell. And you know what? All of Bethany knew about Jesus because of that moment. Will you bow your heads with me? Can I tell you something? True worship puts the focus where it belongs, and it belongs on him, not on me, or not on the worship team, or not on anybody, but upon Jesus. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I hear you. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. I want to give you an invitation to know him today. Say, Pastor, I, I, I don't know him, but I, I want to know him as my Savior. Romans tells us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And he will forgive us of our sins. Listen, it's, it's twofold there. It's believing and it's surrendering. It is. If you're here, you don't know Jesus, and you hear me talking about loving and worshiping Jesus. Say, hey, I, I want to know Jesus. Just with every head bowed, no one looking around, just in this moment, I want to give you a chance to know Jesus in this place.
anybody, just by the lifting of your hand, no one looking around, just want to give you a chance to know Jesus. Anybody? Come on, we'll just take just a moment. Thank you. Anybody else? The Bible says this, that if we confess our sins, if we believe in our hearts, God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. Scripture goes on to say, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So today, come on, with that hand raised, will you just pray this prayer with me? Listen, and it's not just because you're repeating it, but it's because you're sincere in your heart. It means the old man is going to die, and I'm going to turn, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change. I'm, I'm going to start a path towards following Jesus. Today, just do this with me. Say, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. Come on, everyone say, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I failed. I admit that I've sinned and made mistakes. God, I believe that you came to this earth, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross, raised from the grave for my sins. And I thank you for it. God, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, can you give Jesus a hand clap of praise? This is what I want to do. Stand with me all across this building. I know the hour is, is gone, and I went longer than I intended and wanted to. Can we do this? Living a lifestyle of worship. Before we go. They're going to sing this song, but this is what I want to do. Can we, can we just for the next, I don't know, two minutes, give me two minutes, give me two minutes. Can we give Jesus a moment like this? Can we give Jesus all that we are in worship and praise and adoration? I want you to close your eyes. I want you to forget about the person on your left. I want you to forget about the person. The people in the balcony are not going to be looking down at you. I'm not going to be looking at you. But this is what, what I want to do. I, I want to focus, put the focus back on Jesus Christ today. Can we just begin to worship him right now in our hearts? Listen, listen, Lord, we, we give you all. God, we give you adoration and praise in this house. God, thank you for what you've done in our lives. God, thank you, Lord, for...